as long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radio Potomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. Boncho Ortiz from Breitbart, Texas, joining us now for some of the stories that you can find at breitbart.com slash border. A couple of those things that I, that I wanted to bring up, Poncho, you have a couple of articles featured talking about the uh, some, some kidnapped travelers and that uncovered numerous more incidents of other migrant kidnappings and the child sex trade. And I, I, I feel like these two are, are tight. Not not directly tied together, but they're related to each other. But I, I want to hear what the stories are uh, first, Poncho. Sure. So uh, last week there was a. It started with a with a group of travelers that were making their way from central Mexico, from the state of Guanajuato. They were heading towards the border, uh, Coahuila. And um, however, when they were going through the through the state of San Luis, they went missing. And they were missing for several days until, you know, relatives reported them missing. The government sent out this, like, major deployment of uh, cops to look for them. And funny enough, that same day that they they confirmed that they were missing, they found this group of 16 travelers. But it turns out that it was another group of missing travelers. It wasn't that same group. So the first group was 23, they found 16, but it was from a, a different kidnapping. And then they were like, okay, we have a problem here. So they started sending more people. Um, the first group, the group of 16, they were legitimate travelers. They were from Mexico. They were making their way in, uh, to, uh, to visit this other place. However, the other groups, it was over 100 people, about 104 that they ended up rescuing in, in total. Most of them were migrants that had been kidnapped while traveling to the state of San Luis. These were people that were had rented out, you know, those big white vans to travel, make their way north, and cartel gunmen were basically just taking them, do it, uh, you know, along the highway, blocking them off, taking them and taking them to stash houses and, and, and so forth. So it was basically one case ended up uncovering a widespread case of mass kidnapping in central Mexico. So they were looking for twenty three. Just to just to clarify, they were they had been looking for twenty three travelers. They had found sixteen, and it turns out that group of sixteen was from a completely different group. Exactly. And then the more they looked, the more they started finding uh, groups of tra- of uh, kidnapped uh, travelers that were being held in several places. Hmm. And so, how many how many cases in in total did they uncover? It's uh, about 104 people that they rescued. Uh, we don't know how many kidnappings in, in total, uh, you know, of uh, how many separate cases, but it, it was about 104 people that they ended up rescuing. 
sadly, the gunmen have managed to kill one of the drivers of, of the groups. Uh, so, but I mean, it's uh, and and they managed to arrest two people. But it's uh, it just goes to show how much control these guys have, not only on the border cities, but in central Mexico. State of San Luis is actually. Um, when you look at Mexico, if you're looking from traveling from Mexico City to other parts of Mexico, there are basically two main highways that you end up taking. One of them goes through San Luis, the other one goes through Zacatecas. And that is where all this comes from, because the state of San Luis and the state of Zacatecas, they're sort of like the, the hubs where all highways end up meeting, going from central Mexico, coastal Mexico, all the way to north Mexico. Joining us on 710-KURV so is Ildefonso Poncho Ortiz from Breitbart, Texas. Go ahead and finish your statement, Poncho, before I kick you over to Davis. Well, it's just that those two states are, even though they're not border states or drug-producing states, they have a great strategic value for drug cartels. So you have people from Cartel Jalisco trying to take over. You have uh, factions from the Sinaloa cartel trying to take over. You have uh, groups that used to be, from what used to be Los Zetas, trying to hold on to those uh, uh locations, people out there with the Gulf Cartel. So, uh, you know, so you have several different uh, criminal organizations fighting for those two states because of the highways that they control. Davis Rankin, your question for... Well, Poncho, this, yeah, this is Davis. Uh, the uh, kidnapped people, a uh, couple of random questions. Uh, is there any one shot caller in control of the kidnapping uh bad guys in other words are they having to report up the line uh what what they're up to um and then what are they looking for what are they looking for when they kidnap these people yeah well that, that uh, um, one of the things that you have to remember that when when you're talking about drug cartels it's not only drugs they also control the traffic of migrants yeah so can you know Migrants are not able to travel to Mexico without getting the permission and paying one drug cartel or the other. And that's just the norm. I mean, that's that's how it, things work in Mexico. Now, uh, not only that, also, um, these cartels also uh, do uh, carry out uh, highway robberies for, for uh, you know, high-value merchandise that travels through their states. They control, like, the... Pretty much any goods that travel through the through the their, their territories, they're out to make a profit. So it's not just you know drugs. And in the case of a uh, of a uh, as far as one shot caller, there really isn't because you have multiple organizations. It's hard to tell who did it, you know, who, uh, and who's responsible because mm -hmm. you have multiple cartels operating and, and trying to control that area. I know my other question, and this has to do. Really, I think I'm asking questions which the average person might have, and I've been watching, as you know, a lot of uh, YouTube videos about the the American mafia, the New York centered mafia. Um, and when when you in start a business venture in the mafia, you have to go to your, I guess, your capo and get on the record. They call it getting on the record. You have to tell them what you're doing because they expect a piece of it. Uh, I'm hearing that that's, that's not the kind of control exercised in, in Mexico, number one. And number two, if the uh, Poncho Ortiz cartel takes money from some people, gets the quota so people can go north, 
then, or let's say the Zach Cantu cartel, because he's uh, time, Davis, and, time. And then somebody else kidnaps them or messes with their product. Do they say, "Hey, these are our guys. You leave them alone." Does that make sense? Uh, sort of. So, one going to your first question, uh, it does work that way in some parts of Mexico, places okay. like Nuevo Laredo, Matamoros. Uh, you know, where one cartel dominates that area and has absolute control. Yes. Before okay. you do any kind of business or venture, you have to go through them and basically pay a protection fee. That has happened in Reynosa, Matamoros, Nuevo Laredo, places where one cartel dominates, and that continues to happen. Now, in going to your second question, as far as like, this is uh, these migrants belong to this group. Basically, if another, if somebody that's unconnected to a cartel messes with them, yes, they will release them because they don't want problems with that one cartel. However, when you have various cartels operating in, in that area, it may just be good for business for me to steal uh, SAC's migrants and basically, you know, take that profit that I'm stealing away from SAC. And since I have my own organization, I have, uh, I'm able to basically deal with the consequences. And that's likely what's been happening where you have these migrants that are trying to, you know, they're moving the migrants north and they're being basically being kidnapped by one group or the other and that's sort of what likely happened in this case where you have you know a rival organizations taking migrants from each other i was gonna ask you uh let's see pancho adolfonso ortiz from Breitbart, texas joining us we're getting uh, a check of some of the border stories i was gonna ask you about the back and forth between china and mexico but arguably the 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 rise in sex trade trafficking in the southern part of Mexico uh, is is heavier. Uh, what what's happening over there? Well, in the state of Yucatan, uh, basically, we there's this uh, uh, organization that that uh, helps. Uh, it's, it's a NGO, basically. It's a, a private organization that helps kids that have been abused. That's basically sounding the alarm, saying that there's there's a they're seeing more and more, uh, basically, children being trafficked uh, uh, or, or being sold off into sex trade. Basically, uh, they're having multiple cases, and in some cases, children are being sold off for as little as $1,500. So it, it's How an alarming uh, situation, and, and you know, it, it's something that... that um, it's being heavily underreported by victims in Mexico, just the way government works in Mexico, oftentimes victims don't even want to come forward. So they're sounding the alarm that this is, this is happening, this is ongoing, and it's not new, but it's, it's ongoing and it's increasing, in, in, particularly in the state of, of Yucatan. Now, you have to remember, Yucatan is part of that Caribbean peninsula where uh, a lot of tourists go for the, the nice beaches, uh, the ancient pyramids, uh, the Mayan, you know, pyramids and stuff. So it's a very touristy area. So it just putting those two together, you have to, it's a heavy tourist area with a booming sex rate of children. Where can we go to find more of your stories, Pancho? Yeah. Uh, Breitbart, Texas, and just look for Cartel Chronicles and you'll see uh, the stuff that my team and, and myself work on. It's, it's a, uh, you know, stuff that you likely won't see in other places. Absolutely. Yeah, you are absolutely right about that. Thank you so much. As Thank usual, you, Poncho. Poncho. Stay safe out there. That's Ildefonso Poncho Ortiz. 
award-winning journalist for Breitbart.com, joining us on Newstalk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Parami app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. We say hello to our friend Tim Snyder from Matador Economics. You can get the newsletter at matadoreconomics.com and I saw the newsletter today, and I just have questions. <laughs> I just have so many questions. <laughs> but I'll start off. I'll start off with this. I wanted to know about the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, but I wanted to. Uh, I'm going to hold off on that for a second. We'll get to it, but just not right now. I see reports about the inflation slowing down as per the CPI, but at the same time, the IMF is forecasting a global slowdown. What? Uh, how are these two related here? The best way to describe this is like driving from Seguin to the ranch in Gonzales, and my mother would have her foot on the brake and the accelerator at the same time. <laughs> and that's exactly what we're doing in this economy. Golly. I'm the, sorry. Uh, I'm, I'm laughing yeah, at the metaphor. I mean, it's hard the, on not brakes. At, not, at the, not at the situation that we're in because, yeah, that sounds very expensive, what's about to happen. Oh, my gosh. It's ridiculous. And if you sit back and look and see kind of where we are, yeah, CPI came in this morning uh, month over month. That's the headline number that came in at plus 0.1 percent. Now, I want people to understand that, yes, that's that's better than it has been, but it's still um, uh, uh, one-tenth of one percent higher than it was last month, last month and the year-over-year number was 5 percent, uh, and that's down from 6 percent. But that still tells us that a year ago – we're still five percent higher than we were a year ago, so we haven't fixed anything. We've just we've just spun our wheels, and and that's the issue that we're dealing with now. The IMF comes out and it announces that it expects a global slowdown, and markets are starting to react to that because we're beginning to see some of the fundamental things that you would expect in a slowdown because there's this lagging effect from these macros that we're getting right now, guys. Davis Rankin, your question for Tim Snyder of Matador Economics. I guess my question will be, what is the predicted uh, price of petroleum of all um, this this year? Is it going to is there any is there any is there really any way to know whether it's going to skyrocket up or what? Well, I'll tell you, I think it already has skyrocketed up. I bought gasoline. Uh, well, I can tell you three weeks ago I paid the lowest I paid in a long time and I paid two sixty six for um, per gallon. Uh, for gasoline yeah. here in Dallas. Um, today, I drove by that very same gas station, and it's three sixty nine. Good Lord. A full dollar a gallon more expensive in three weeks, and that's that's the first start of this thing. Second start is, you know, we don't like it when it gets above $3, but when we hit $4, things start to slow down. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a that's big sad right there, as my generation to, would call it. Yeah. But uh, I wanted to talk about the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, oh. Davey. Um, right, and we need, we need time for that. Right. Um, Tim Snyder is our guest from Matador Economics on uh, your 956 drive home. And I I, I kind of wanted to have a quick reintroduction of the Strategic uh, Petroleum Reserve for people that are kind of new to it because I don't, I kind of, I want it to be a, as informative as possible, especially to new people that have no idea what that thing is. So if, if you, on the surface, if you're new and you don't know what it is, you're thinking, wow, this is all the oil that we have ever. But at the same time, it is still really important, almost like it is all the oil that we have ever. So, so what is the Strategic Petroleum Reserve? Sure. The, the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is the United States strategic um, supply of crude oil that we use, or we're supposed to use in times of, um, let's call it um, uh, economic embargo, like what happened in 1974 with the Arab oil embargo. Um, we developed it, the President Nixon developed it back in 74 so we could have a supply that we wouldn't get ourselves caught short and have to do the, the you know, the, the gas lines and all those kinds of things. Um, the capacity in that is about 700 million barrels. When President Biden took office, there were 638.1 million barrels in the SBR. That number has dropped uh, precipitously since the, in, the, in the Biden administration. And we actually had a decrease this week as well, but I can tell you that number ended up, we are at 369.6 million barrels, and we dropped 1.6 million barrels over the last week. Why? That's the million-dollar question. And I can tell you that the administration has been quietly trying to move uh, the inventory levels down out of the SPR. And at the same time, you had the... um, energy secretary um, standing up and telling people, yeah, well, we were looking for opportunities to buy and refill the SPR. Problem is they didn't put one nickel into replenishing uh, that supply and they continue to draw it down. Davis Rankin, Davis Rankin, your question. So what do you think is going on? Strategic Petroleum Reserve is supposed to be there just in case and we're heading into the hurricane season. Um, I don't know. I mean, Taking into account they want to get away from petroleum, uh, it's still, it's, it, it makes him vulnerable to a hiccup, um, which, he, we, which oh, yeah. we can't foresee a hiccup. So what, what do you think is going on? I think it's just one more opportunity for the Biden administration to target um, oil and gas and the, um, the E&P companies, exploration production companies that are out there and our producers that, that produce uh, crude oil, natural gas, or even coal for that matter. Um, it's an opportunity that it's kind of like um, I had a friend back when I was in junior high. We used to go out and, and collect insulators off the telephone poles. And if yeah. he came across one that he already had and, you know, maybe I already had, he would take it and break it. Well, that's what the Biden administration is doing with, uh, with the SPR, with crude oil, and with our inventory levels is that they're breaking it. They're allowing it to drop. They're not replenishing it, and when we find ourselves in a position that we can't defend ourselves, um, you know, we have no choice but to switch to the renewables because to be able to replenish the amounts that we have dropped, we've dropped uh, almost 300 million barrels of crude oil in over a year. Yeah, but Tim, if it, I got cars, I can't. They're all gasoline powered. Um, I can't. Yeah. 
Uh, what am I supposed well, to do? Here, here's another analogy for you, uh, Davey. If 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 somebody came to your house and slashed all the tires on your car, and then came to your house and said, "Hey, I've got an electric car here. You seem to have uh, <laughs> you seem to have a transportation problem." That seems to be kind of what we're doing here. That is exactly what they're doing, and they're they're using they're using all types of tactics in this. Um, you know, even the EPA's announcement today with the Biden administration that they're going to require 66% of all new vehicles by yeah. 2033 to be electric vehicles. There's no way those numbers could flesh out even just from the vehicle standpoint, much less from the standpoint of providing electricity that can provide, that can, that can run those vehicles. We're yeah. putting ourselves in a very serious mess here to make a social change. And that doesn't make sense. Thanks a lot, Tim. Appreciate Thank it you, Tim. as usual. Check out the newsletter at matadoreconomics.com. That's Tim Snyder joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. News Talk 710 KURV. When news breaks, we break in. Breaking news. Stay alert and listen to the weather forecast. We need to be aware and alert to what's going on. Breaking news means it's happening now. And we mean now. Breaking news underway right now. Breaking news on News Talk 710 KURV means we're bringing you the news as it happens. We have a multiple In this particular instance, we are in receipt of information. When news breaks, we'll break in. Count on News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. There's been a lot of talk about TikTok and social media in general about its effect on mental health and what are they doing with your data and what's TikTok really doing with your data overseas and how... How intertwined is it with the Chinese Communist Party? Well, I've got a, we, we've got somebody happy to have Samuel Mangold Lennett joining us. Uh, he's got an article out at the Federalist that says that the Restrict Act, which is out as a way to kind of restrict TikTok, uh, won't successfully ban it. But he's got the answer to the question here. So first off, uh, welcome to the show. We appreciate you being here. But uh, for those that haven't been following the Restrict Act and how it would affect TikTok, uh, what is it? Yeah, well, uh, thanks for having me, guys. Happy Happy Thursday. Huh? Uh, so, for those who don't know, the Restrict Act is uh, it was introduced it was introduced by uh, Senator Mark Warner, a Democrat from Virginia, and the Restrict Act is not the TikTok ban we were told it would be. Uh, what it actually does is it expands the federal government's ability to, um, you know, as the name says, restrict uh, foreign adversaries from uh, further encroaching on U.S. digital security and digital privacy. Uh, the issue is that the language in the bill is so vague and so uh, generic that the unelected officials who are emboldened by it can really label anything a foreign adversary. Uh, there's no specific stipulations as to who is a foreign adversary. It's really a matter of who the Secretary of Commerce and the Director of National Intelligence, along with the uh, intelligence apparatus, want to deem foreign adversaries. And 
that has serious implications for the digital security and privacy rights of the American public. Can you give us an example? Because foreign sounds pretty uh, obvious that it's not like from here. But <laughs> what what do you mean by that? Well, that's that's part of the issue. Is the bill just says that um, they have the ability to label? Um, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but right. Um, the, the bill stipulates that foreign adversaries and covered transactions are the issues at hand. Um, and the Secretary of Commerce with um, the Director of National Intelligence are uh, uh, get these great new powers through the Restrict Act to define who the foreign adversaries are um, and identify specific behaviors and specific um, actions they're doing um, and then work with the intelligence apparatus and potentially Congress and the executive branch to uh, um, slap uh, punitive actions upon them. Uh, that could, you know, if it's, if it is a tech company, um, let's say it is TikTok, because there's nothing, there's nothing in the bill explicitly naming TikTok or its parent company ByteDance. But if they choose to take action against TikTok, um, the Restrict Act could coerce um, ByteDance potentially to divest from TikTok, um, which would create an environment uh, where American investors could then purchase the company. But if it's, you know, say um, a mom and pop startup, um, I'm not sure how many mom and pop tech startups there are these days, but Very true. If, if there is one. Uh, there could be one that potentially uses the wrong pronouns for a transgendered individual that could, depending on who's in the decision-making chair, they might slap this company with the foreign adversary label if they ha might have some overseas investors, um, thus labeling this startup company a foreign adversary, and therefore they incur the wrath of the federal government. I see what you're getting at now. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Samuel Mangold-Lennett is a writer for the... Federalist. He's got an article out right now. The Weak Restrict Act won't successfully ban TikTok, but one of its alternatives will. Uh, before we get to the alternative, Davis Rankin, my co-host, has a question for you. Uh, yeah. Do, do you guys at the Federalist want, um, do you believe that TikTok is an, this is a crude thing, this is sort of an arm of the Chinese Communist Party, which is in control of the government there? That it, it's not, it may not be listed on the uh, you know, the who works for who kind of thing, but they report that they're a functional arm of the government. Y'all think that? Well, I can't really, I'm not, I don't really want to speak. For you don't, you don't have to, no, you don't, I, I excuse, excuse my co-host. I apologize for that. No, but, don't excuse me. <laughs> you, it should be um, obvious. He does not speak for everybody at the Federalist, Davy. That's what I'm well, getting that's at. that's what I was asking. You can say, <laughs> right. no, those knuckleheads right. don't think like I do. Um, but um, what, what I can say for sure is that, uh, like basically every company, not basically, but the fact of the matter is every company in, uh, in China is um, incumbent. Uh, they have to answer to the Chinese Communist Party. Um, and in particular, you know, tech companies and major corporations have uh, party members on their boards. That is a major stipulation, uh, a major requirement of doing business in China. Uh, um, so, so uh, the fact of the matter is ByteDance and TikTok are arms of the Chinese Communist Party. They might not you know, be fully integrated with the party apparatus, but 
they do they are integrated and they have to work with the CCP. It's just a fact. It's, they have to. They can't get around that. Um, there are, of course, you know, other issues with, you know, how does that affect us here with the backdoor way they're stealing our data? Um, what are the national security breaches with, you know, it being on the phones of uh, bureaucrats, um, diplomats, etc.? Um, it's really a very scary issue that should have been addressed day one. Frankly, I'm of the personally I'm of the mentality that uh, China is our number one global adversary, and any software they're trying to put on U.S. markets ought to be either extremely scrutinized or, frankly, just not permitted because we can deduce that they're going to use it for malicious purposes. I think that's pretty obvious, and it should have been obvious day one. Joining us on 710 KURV is Samuel Mangold Ledit. He is with the Federalist. He's a staff editor over there. And we're talking about the Restrict Act. Now, you mentioned that there's an alternative out there that you would prefer over the Restrict Act because the Restrict Act is way too general and vague and broad. Uh, what, what, what's your solution? Yeah, so there are currently two alternatives I favor. Um, Senator Josh Hawley of Missouri uh, has a bill that he introduced this past winter. Um, basically what it does is it explicitly bans TikTok and its parent company ByteDance. It gives the president emergency powers to do that on day one uh, after the bill is passed. And it also requires the intelligence apparatus to keep, you know, keep tabs on TikTok and ByteDance and inform Congress, our elected representatives, um, you know, of the ongoing data breach because just banning TikTok isn't going to resolve the issue. There's still a hole. There's still a hole in the dam we have to patch, and it's going to take a lot of time. Uh, Marco Rubio, the senator from Florida, introduced a bill in February that's similar to Senator Hawley's, but it's not quite as um, uh, lethal, for lack of a better term. Uh, it does ban TikTok explicitly, but it also focuses more on foreign tech companies and foreign adversaries, um, less so, uh, it's less nuclear on TikTok and ByteDance. I think, you know, wedding these two bills together, uh, take the intelligence reporting aspect of Holly's and the very strict approach to TikTok and ByteDance, and then Rubio's aspect of casting a broader net of um, foreign adversaries writ large. I think those two together would have a really solid approach to solving this issue, uh, even though we're pretty in the late stages of the game right now. TikTok would be the, the the prime suspect, the prime target on a bill like this. You wouldn't happen to know of any other um, foreign-based apps that Americans are currently using? I, I, I'm sure TikTok is the biggest one, but anything in a similar situation that could get swept away in the big net of all this? Um, I'm, drawing, I'm drawing a blank right now. I'm sure yeah. there are others. Um, like, uh, given the, I'm sure that the um, the Cuban government probably doesn't have a major presence on, you know, the Apple App Store, but there is a, I'm willing to wager that there is probably some form of nefarious presence. The best, the best odds are that it's just various forms of Chinese software and um, foreign investors working through other entities to get software onto the market. Um, it's not very likely that, you know, North Korea has, you know, games on the app stores or things like that but 
Um, oh no, actually, you're right. No, no, no. You you bring up a good point. It's not just TikTok. There's plenty of games that that uh, the parent company is from China that more than likely right. would get included with all this, like real popular mobile games and things like that. No, you're absolutely right about that. I'm sorry, Davis, you have a, one more question for our guest here. Well, I was going to ask if, if we know if there are Russian apps, uh, anything tied to the pa- Palestinian, radical um, Palestinians, ISIS-type groups, um, you know, God love them, the cartels south of the border. Uh, and, and, man, I don't know who would... Uh, who would want one of these to gather the uh, the data that that they can gather? Do we know of anybody else? Um, we caught you flat footed. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. For the so the restrict act is too broad, and the two alternatives that you said were from who? We're from uh, Senator Hawley from Missouri and Senator Rubio from Florida. And for. Uh, for the future, you said this is kind of late in the game, and this is probably going to be the restrict act that's going to be put into place of all this. Are we going to see? And I, I've, I'm going to be honest with you, Sam. <laughs> I've been trying so hard not to reference uh, the Patriot Act in all of this because that was a lot of the criticism uh, for the Patriot Act because it was, hey, it's the Patriot Act. You're not a patriot unless you're for this thing, you know. So are, are we not for restricting China if uh, <laughs> we're not in favor of the restrict right. act here? Um, personally, I think we need to take a much more, oh, I'm of the mentality we should have taken a much more, um, I don't want to say aggressive, but Tougher a more, approach. uh, rest- restrictive approach to China many, many years ago. Um, I just, I'm, I don't like using the, we're comparing this to the Patriot Act personally, but we, we do need to act on TikTok. It is, it's way overdue. Uh, like yeah. I said, this should have been a, day one thing i think it should have been apparent that you know our greatest global adversary is going to act nefariously uh you know this is this is red china they're not trying to be our friend they have an actual part of the people's liberation army that is solely focused on corporate espionage they're very explicit about you know usurping us and humiliating us on the global stage this this should have been apparent I absolutely agree with you, Sam. Hey, appreciate your time here today. That's Samuel Mangold-Lennett from The Federalist joining us on News Talk 710 KURV. You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Start your day with news and interviews important to you with the Valley's Morning News. Weekday morning starting at 6. Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan bring you the latest headlines and hourly discussions with AccuWeather to get you ready for your day. And special guest interviews on topics that affect you and your family. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Yeah, good morning, guys. Well, let's not enjoy the show. It's what you need to start your day. The Valley's Morning News with Sergio Sanchez and Tim Sullivan. Weekday morning starting at 6 on News Talk 710 KURV. This is an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. Here's Zach. We say welcome back and hello to the, the program. Bob Price from Breitbart, Texas. Check out some of the border stories at Breitbart.com slash border. And uh, El Paso has been seeing a lot of traffic recently, but as a whole... Uh, we've been seeing a big spike in apprehensions, a 25% jump as part of the southwest border, and we're approaching some pretty big numbers, but I'll let Bob Price uh, tell that story. So wh- where do we stand right now, and where are the, the big, heavy trafficking spots in Texas? 
Well, certainly El Paso has risen back to the top again. We're seeing approximately 10,000 migrants per week uh, crossing the border into the El Paso region. So that's going to be about 40,000, 45,000 again this coming month for April. Uh, it was up again in March. And, you know, it's interesting the Biden administration very quickly got their reports out in, in uh, January and February when, when the numbers were down. But now that they're back up again, they waited until after close of business yesterday to sneak the report out. So we're keeping an eye on them, and uh, the numbers are, are jumping again. Tucson sector is jumping a lot. And, uh, you know, we're still seeing all the same dangers in, in the rest of the state of Texas where you have these high-speed pursuits and uh, migrants being smuggled in the in the back of 18-wheelers and the trunks of cars. You know, it's a very dangerous situation. You know, you made such a good point there that they had uh, the Biden administration January, February were like, yeah, hey, nothing to see here. See, you know, whatever Biden's doing, it's working. The problem is going away. It'll just go away. And then as things started warming up, as the Border Patrol had mentioned, it's because of the, the winter season. As things start warming up, hey, the numbers are going to spike, uh, spike back up and no word from the Biden administration on all that. So why, and we're, we're in the, the RGV sector, why is it that a lot of the traffic kind of decided to head El Paso's direction and they don't like to come through here as much anymore? Well, you saw a massive enforcement action take place down in the Rio Grande Valley a couple of years ago. Uh, the Border Patrol moved in a whole lot of new people. The Trump administration was building some more walls and connecting some of the gaps that were in between walls down there. And so it became more and more difficult for them to, to cross in that area. So first you saw them move to the Del Rio sector, uh, which became inundated certainly with the Haitian migrant crisis. But then again, a uh, year and a half ago with the uh, Venezuelan migrants crossing up into there uh, in the numbers of like 50,000 per month. Uh, so they've been moving further and further westward. It's interesting that they jumped right over the Laredo sector while they were headed west. Uh, I guess that's the, the migrants still seem to be afraid of Los Edos through there. So it, uh, it doesn't seem to cross quite as much. It was it was interesting to look at the numbers. The the CBP was bragging about that. Okay, yes, that while it may have gone up from February to March, year over year, we are ahead of March of 2022. Where you know we're ahead in lower numbers in March of 2021, but they didn't take it one step further to March of 2020, President Donald Trump's last year in office, uh, because that they would have had to show a 450% increase now between March of this year and March of 2020, President Trump's last March in office. Joining us on 710KURV is Bob Price from Breitbart, Texas. Davis Rankin, your question. Uh, the, um, um, the biggest, I guess the biggest group of people have been kept south of the border or were through the invocation of something called Title 42, which I think shorthand version is, if we think they have some communicable disease, we can keep them at offshore. Um, I don't know for how long. Well, that's going away. The Biden administration has said it wants to do away with it. Assuming I'm right about that, um, is there any intelligence as um, how likely is it the Biden folks will go back and stick it and put it back in because they've been doing some of the stuff Mr. Trump did 
but also uh, there were reports of tens of thousands of people waiting to cross just over the border. And I haven't seen that in a while. Well, you're, yeah, you're you're exactly right. There's upwards of, of 40,000 people across the border waiting in the El Paso area, at Juarez area of Mexico. And so it's very concerning. We have to remember Title 42 is not an immigration policy. It's not a border security policy. It was a health policy created by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention during the Trump administration uh, in reaction to the coronavirus. So... You know, Congress has officially declared the coronavirus over. The president signed that bill. You know, it would be very difficult logically for them to try to extend that again be- because the conditions for it technically do not exist anymore. And, and it's weird the way they were applying it anyway. They, they were applying Title IV to certain nationalities and not to other nationalities. Mm-hmm. It really became less and less about COVID and more about they just didn't have any other way of enforcing the law, and so they would use this to send it back. But the reason we're seeing the big spike again now is because the migrants have figured out there's still no consequence to crossing the border illegally. If you cross the border illegally in, in massive numbers, which is what we're starting to see, you know, where they'll cross in a group of a 1,000 people at a time in El Paso, um, odds are they're going to let you go. And, and so that's what the cartels are, are telling people. And uh, they're charging them six to eight thousand dollars a piece to bring them across the border and get them smuggled into the United States. It's a huge cash cow for for the cartels. But uh, what? But the reality is, there's no consequence of any sort by the Biden administration to people that cross illegally. And so now they figured it out, and they're coming back again. Joining us on seven ten K U R V is Bob Price from Breitbart, Texas. Uh, this this leads me to another interesting question about the way the tactics have been kind of changing up from the cartels and they've been using Twitter a lot and they've been making these rumors and hey word of mouth you know they're they're secretly just going to let you all in all you got to do is show up at El Paso at this day on this time and it's like national we'll let you in day or something like that mm-hmm. uh what what is what has been your experience in in tracking stories like that well, the, the cartels have become masters at, at social media, both for the purpose of recruiting migrants to come to the United States and pay them money, but also in recruiting young people uh, in the state of Texas and elsewhere to smuggle these migrants from the border region into the interior of the United States. And so in, in South Texas and West Texas, we're seeing more and more arrests of of uh, U.S. citizens who are acting as as transport for these cartels, uh, it puts these people at risk and keeps the cartel people off the hook. And you know, if they get caught, it's no skin off the cartel's nose. And if they don't get caught, then they pay the people. Sometimes, sometimes they don't, but pay them for for delivering the migrants to their destination. Another thing uh, to highlight: what kind of people are are coming across the border? Uh, you had mentioned in your article single adults, the unaccompanied children, uh, family units. Th- there's a breakdown there, um, but also something that former Congresswoman Myra Flores had highlighted that we've got some bad actors that are coming across as well. What what is your breakdown? Well, we do have a lot of bad actors. We we see the reports from from border patrol sectors every week about. Uh, sex offenders that they've apprehended, former murderers who've been deported and, and they're coming back into the country. Uh, 
other types of criminals as well. Uh, in in this month's report, though, we saw a a a large increase in the number of family units coming across, and also uh, you know that increased fourteen percent, and unaccompanied children excuse me unaccompanied children increased fourteen percent, and family units increased thirty eight percent. So, and the reason I pointed those two categories out is because those are the most expensive to the American taxpayers for the border patrol to process because they have to keep these families t- together where they can. Uh, they have time restrictions on how fast they have to process them and get them released. And so all of that adds to the cost to the American taxpayer. Many times they're transported across the country at taxpayer expense uh, when CBP re- releases them to these NGOs and, and to other places. Um, Davis Rankin, final question. Go ahead. Um, it's a broad question. Who has the president's ear? Who's the last person to speak to President Biden? Who, assuming that he's not paralyzed and not doing anything, who has his ear when it comes to immigration policy? Well, you know, that's pretty unclear at this point. You know, Mayorkas has surprisingly lasted for a very long time in the position, despite his being an abject failure at doing anything to to solve the border crisis. Kamala Harris has certainly not done anything in, in that regard. Uh, so it's hard to tell who is advising him on this, but they're not. Whoever it is is not giving them advice on how to secure the border and how to stop this flow of migration. Uh, You mentioned the end of Title 42 a little while ago. We we were, Breitbart's Randy Clark was the first to report a a Department of Homeland Security report that estimated when Title 42 comes to an end, they expect upwards of 18,000 migrant crossings per day. That's over 540,000 per month, which will just Absolutely. You know, we, we had a hard time when it was 220000 a month, so you more than double that, and, and just imagine what the chaos is going to be along the border. Mm-hmm. The Biden administration keeps saying that they have a safe, orderly, and humane process, but it has always been everything but safe, orderly, and humane. It, is it possible? I don't expect a whole lot from uh, Secretary of of uh, Homeland Security Lex Luthor. I really don't expect a solid <laughs> plan to stop all that coming across. You see, he knew what I was talking about, Dave. Is he it, understands the Lex Luthor <laughs> reference. I have a serious question. Is it possible that what we see is what the Biden administration wants? It is absolutely what they want. There, this isn't this isn't a failure of the Biden administration. This is an intentional policy of the Biden administration, and and we knew that from day one when uh, when they were getting information from CBP officials, the outgoing CBP officials going out. They told them that if you end these policies, this is what's going to happen, and. On day one, Joe Biden came into office and with a stroke of a pen, eliminated every successful program that Donald Trump had put into place that had reduced border crossings by 90% to the point of, in April of 2020, it was down to about 19,000 for the entire month. We'll be, we'll be lucky if, if uh, April of 2023 is under 200,000 for the month. So that's that's the difference in, in what the stroke of a pen, intentional stroke Absolutely, of a pen Bob, by yeah. Joe Biden has been. Thank, Absolutely. Thank Thanks a lot for your time. Uh, that's Bob Price from Breitbart, Texas, joining us on News Talk 710 KURV.
You're listening to an encore presentation of the 956 Drive Home on News Talk 710 KURV and KURV.com. You're always on the go. Obviously pretty busy. Busy with work. Picking up my kids from school. From work to kids to running errands. Your entire day is a hands-on, never-ending frenzy of activity. Luckily, getting the news is now voice activated. Just say, Alexa, play 710-KURB. I'd like to know what's going on in my world. I gotta know what's going on in my city. Putting the smart in your smart speaker. I'm getting my news from you and my information. For the latest news and to find out what's happening in rich, clear audio. Just say, Alexa, play 710 KURV. As long as you're scrolling through your phone, checking out your friend's latest Instagram post, take a moment to download the Radio Potomy app. Take the app with you wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Stay updated with top and bottom of the hour news and the latest weather forecast. Plus, you can listen live to local talk shows, nationally syndicated programs, and listen to previous interviews you might have missed, all in crystal clear digital audio. It's called the Radiopotomy app. Find it in your Google Play or Apple App Store from your friends at News Talk 710 KURV.